Who are so wise in the ways of science? I am Arthur, King of the Britons. My liege. <laughs> What's the big brewer? Ha ha ha! You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You can't handle the truth! following program is closed captioned for the thinking impaired. Welcome to the beautiful campus of LCMSU, everyone. Who are you? I am. The Chancellor. Yeah, baby. Master <laughs> Marcus Zill. Come on, Pastor Jacob Eichers in La Crosse, Wisconsin. Where is La Crosse? It's right on the west side of the state, kind of in the center of the state north-south. Um, but right in the Mississippi, if you go any further west, uh, besides getting wet, uh, you go over to Minnesota. You're not that far yep. from Iowa, really, are you? Really, no, no. I mean, uh, actually, at my ordination, we had a pastor from Iowa come over, and it was only maybe 45-hour-long drive. Wow, not too, so not you're, too like, bad. you're probably valid to preach in three states then. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. <laughs> no, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> but uh, now you've been there how long? How long have you been in lacrosse? Since August 5th. So wow, you're a three, long time. Three months. Yeah, right. <laughs> a long tenure. Three months and you graduated uh, this from the seminary this uh, last spring? Yep. Graduated with an STM uh, this last spring. Graduated with my MDiv uh, the spring before. Okay. I was just up at your place. Yeah. A week ago Sunday on Reformation Day. It was great to be with you. And while I was there, you took me up to uh, the Granddad Bluff, and yep. uh, we looked down at Minnesota, did we not? Exactly right. You could see Minnesota from the other side, on the, on the other side of the river, and it's a really beautiful view up there. Well... It was a real privilege to be uh, to be with you guys there, and thank you for having me. I've never been in Lacrosse, Faith Lutheran Church, Faithful Campus Ministry, Faithful Congregation has been going strong for what seventy years, something like that. 60? I think it was yeah, it was established in fifty six. Uh, the building that we're at now is I think early sixties. I don't have the date off off the top of my head. But yeah, I mean, so it's relatively, I mean, as far as churches go, it's relatively young. In fact, one of my, uh, one of my parishioners is one of the last surviving members. It's not every pastor, last surviving founding members, I should say. Okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you've been there. Jacob, that's not good. You've been there three months and they're all dead except for one. Right. So, no, uh, no, no. The, the last uh, you surviving Wayne, founding you member. Fort Wayne guys. <laughs> yes, right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, that's... Uh, no, and that's so that's not really, you know, we think Wisconsin. I mean, this is a different part of Wisconsin. When you think about Wisconsin and you hear about, you know, all the churches have bowling alleys in their basements and all this kind mm -hmm. of stuff. And that this is a strong Lutheran territory, but uh, but not so much Missouri Synod. We're a little bit more Johnny comes lately on that side of the state, right? Correct. Yeah. Well, I am very, very grateful. We've got a long tradition there. Uh, Pastor Mundinger before you, Pastor Cumming. Jim Cumming before that uh, have always had uh, those that have been very interested in caring for college students. In fact, while I was just there, you told me that uh, that you've got a couple, three guys at seminary right now. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, Pastor Munninger's son, Andrew, is currently a fourth year. Um, 
Uh, Rob Schrader is a UWL alumnus, and he's currently a second year. And then Amadeus Gandhi, he's, uh, he went to a college in town, Viterbo, and he just graduated with me. He's out serving in Pennsylvania. And that, that is just awesome. I mean, yeah, uh, and yeah. you yourself, if I recall, are a product of campus ministry too. Where did you go to school? I was in uh, University of Wisconsin-Madison over in the center of the state, at, uh, and the campus ministry was, and it still is, uh, Calvary Lutheran Chapel. One of our earliest, if not maybe the earliest, uh, that was ever established uh, many, many years ago. So uh, I'm tickled to death, as are many people, that not only that, that you're there in general, but that uh, you have an opportunity, having having seen campus ministry, being a product of it, to... Uh, to be able to take that there, of course, uh, as a town gown situation, not everything's about campus ministry. You know, that uh, there's other things to do. And, you know, one of the things that, as I pointed out to your congregation, you got all the tools right there to do everything that you can because uh, to have campus ministry, you really need two things. You need you need the gospel, which you certainly have, and you need to care enough to give her up enough to care about young people. And uh, your mm-hmm. congregation and you certainly do that. So... But you aren't all that removed from being a student. What are you, uh, 26, 27, 28? Yeah, 27, 27. 27. Wow. If you were 26, I could actually say I'd be twice your age. Um, <laughs> starting to feel old. Most people would say you got to start at least acting your age. Uh, <laughs> I uh, <laughs> um, still feel like I'm back there in the days where I just got out. And so it's uh, it's fun to relive those days of of my first few years uh, being out, especially when I was on campus and, and near a campus. But um, so what's the transition been like? I mean, you spend like 21 straight years, kindergarten through 12th grade, college, seminary, an extra year of seminary, and all of a sudden you're kind of out of this academic cycle and process. Uh, what's that transition like going from being a student, um, a learner and being a pastor and you're supposed to know everything? Right. It is quite a transition. I mean, it, there is some continuity. You know, I'm, I'm still a dad. I'm still a, a husband. You know, there's a lot of, lot of those vocations that stay constant. Um, I, I still feel like the same person. You know, uh, there's not some kind of like transformative character in me uh, the second I became a pastor. Um, but um, there, it is different. You know, um, you, uh, you're, you get used to being at the seminary where everyone's studying church work. So you can speak in shop talk, you can speak in Latin phrases, and people will understand. Uh, whereas now you're with very intelligent people, but but they don't have necessarily the same specialty as you do. So you got to make sure that that uh, you're putting things in terms that everyone can understand, and that you're not too specific in that regard. Um, and also, just being the sole pastor, uh, there is kind of this this privilege as well as this. Uh, responsibility of, you know, in a, in a sense, the buck stops here. You know, you have the support of brother pastors, you have the support of wonderful leaders in the church, um, but but you are a leader in the church, you know, and that's that's new for me. It's a little different than when you're in field education or you're in vicarage and you can go, right. okay, well, uh, let me go ask pastor about that. <laughs> <laughs> you don't always get a chance to, to do that. And, uh, but that is uh, that's actually a tougher transition than most people realize. It's a rare gift that not everybody has, even if they're ordained, of of being able to uh, to take all this uh, this knowledge that you have. 
um, high knowledge that you have and just kind of uh, putting it in knowing which words to use to help people that don't have a lot of the a lot of the background that you have uh, immersed yourself in and to help them make sense to them in a way they can understand. Yeah, I think I like to think of it as a kind of a the analogy of a car. You know, seminary is great, um, but a lot of time at seminary, it's like building the car. It's it's putting the engine together. It's it's doing all this technical stuff. But when you're out in the parish, a lot of it is driving the car, and, and those two things can be, you know, very important, but they can also be very different. Well, that's a great analogy. Yeah, you want your pastor to know how the, how the car is built, but he also has to drive it uh, week to week. And uh, no, that's that's fantastic. I've never thought about that. That's 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 a keeper right there. <laughs> now we first met at Calvary Madison a few years ago, and you and your wife. I think you met your wife there, right? Yep. Yep. You were both undergrads. I think you were at seminary and you came back to see her, which the gentlemen are often want to do. Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. what were you studying at, uh, at school in Madison? I was studying uh, computer engineering. Okay. And what, what were you thinking about doing with that degree? Well, uh, what when was, I, when what I... were your plans before you obviously maybe shifted uh, your thinking a little bit? My plan was to, I guess, to get a job in that field, I suppose, uh, my dad uh, is a retired mechanical engineer, so kind of ran in the family. Um, computer engineers, basically what they can do is they either design computers or they can design the, the, the software that goes on the computers. Um, so, yeah, I was still kind of vague at that point, but that was the general idea. Now, how did you uh, kind of uh, transition to, uh, to uh, thinking about becoming a pastor? When, when did that happen? Well, I can say that it was... There's a lot of little things that added up to it, but kind of the jumping off point was my winter break, my freshman year, we went on a mission trip down to Biloxi, Mississippi. And uh, a couple of my mentors throughout high school, they were on that trip, uh, and both of them are pastors now. They suggested that I would be a good pastor. And I said, you guys are crazy. That doesn't make any sense. Um, But then the bug just kind of stuck. You know, Uh, I think God removed a lot of the barriers I had. For example, our campus pastor at the time was a second career engineer, hmm. you know, so his, his first job was being an engineer. So, oh, I guess, I guess you could be a pastor, even if you're an engineer. Um, one of my, you probably was, always saw, yeah. Hey, what, what part of uh, computer engineering makes you think I'd be a good pastor? Huh? Right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and even just like my, one of my excuses was, well, Madison doesn't have the languages. I, I need languages just like any Concordia student or, you know, a Christian sure. college student, but apparently Madison has some of the best, Hebrew and Greek programs, so that excuse was out of the way. And so with prayer and consulting other other uh, spiritual mentors, I just kind of felt the tug towards seminary. Now, what, what, what year were you in when you started thinking, hey, I think I'm going to go to seminary while you're still it was in our, college? Yeah, already kind of spring semester freshman year, and really kind of the jump, I guess the decision was made in a sense sophomore year when I started taking Hebrew courses as electives in addition to my engineering stuff. Okay. I, I remember when I was, uh, I went to Pacific Lutheran University and ELCA school in Tacoma, Washington, and I uh, wanted to be an accountant and an accountant. And then I took an accounting class and um, I made it through uh, the first break. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was Monday night, Three and a half hours philosophy of accounting up against Monday Night Football. I didn't come back after break. 
yeah. And I wanted to be a lawyer, and I actually kind of almost almost did that. Uh, I ended up getting routed into to teaching. And uh, by the time I was done with uh, with school, I realized I was going to be a pastor. But I decided to go to go uh, spend uh, three, two or three years actually teaching. And I figured I paid good money to learn how to do it. I might as well do it a little bit. But w- one of the reasons why I wanted to ask you on is because I, I'm I'm intrigued. Not only are you a a young whippersnapper pastor out there for the first time, and of course, I just had the the, the pleasure of being able to be with you and your your wonderful congregation. What a fantastic place! Great people, sense of humor. I'm almost. Uh, I told you I came at the wrong time. I should have come a week later when you're having a, a referee. I mean, a, a German dinner. Um, I should have looked at your calendar more closely when I suggested right, right. that you might come. As, but, I, as I sit in my office, I can smell the bacon cooking. It oh, sounds or smells delicious. Ah, oh, jeez. But I was I'm intrigued by your 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 computer engineering background because uh, and I told you this and I told your folks this and I'll repeat it here. But about I don't know 10, 12 years ago, I did kind of this informal this informal survey of maybe about I don't know fifty to seventy five campus ministries around the synod. Some of my closest compadres out there, and I said, "Hey, look at your five top students—the ones that come to everything, the the ones that that will show up the church even if the doors are locked. That if you're having a new a new event, they'll be there. You know, the ones that are completely committed. And do they tend to be in the? Uh, it's very simple: soft sciences, which is what I was: education, English, history, the stuff with all the." Uh, science and math, which would be the hard sciences, which is more where you were, engineering, math, science, biology, chemistry, medical sciences, all sorts of things, lots of engineering. So you got the hard sciences and the soft sciences. I said, where where are they? And I just started tabulating it up, and I was blown away. Not just because I was a soft science guy, but it was like it was like 94% or something ridiculous like that mm-hmm. were in the hard sciences. Now, you mentioned one of your mentors was a second career pastor um, who was a uh, engineer in a previous life himself. Mm-hmm. And so uh, what's your reaction to that, having kind of come through that route, showing up to UW-Madison, doing computer engineering, thinking you got all figured out, now you're... Now you're going into the ministry. Uh, does it surprise you to hear this about the hard versus the soft sciences? Not saying you can't be a Christian if you're in the soft sciences, but uh, but it is a little bit tougher in terms of the road to hoe at college. Yeah, and I guess I would say, you know, in my experiences with being a, an engineering student, when you're in that field or chemistry or something like that, the professors really want to answer the question that's like their subject, you know, engineering is how can we build this the best way possible? You know, how, how can we do this the right way? Chemistry is, you know, how, if we mix these two chemicals, what's happen, what happens? They really don't have a, an agenda to try to take down, you know, uh, uh, the big questions of life. And, and sometimes in soft sciences, y- you go into that area of asking these big questions. And a lot of times the answers they get aren't quite right. You know, um, they, they, they view things from a secular worldview and then they get secular answers, you know? So in some ways your faith is not being challenged in the same way uh, when you're in the hard sciences. I mean, plus there's also like, like you said, you know, the objective aspect of, you know, if, if you don't build a bridge correctly, people are going to die. 
Whereas there is kind of more fudge room uh, if you're in the soft sciences of how to get to your answers. Well, and the, the, to use the car analogy that you, you brought up before about building the car, you don't really want to take your car to a, to a postmodern mechanic. Right, right, uh, exactly. <laughs> yeah, no, no. Well, you know, I, I know that I should put the muffler on this part of the vehicle, but I really think it looks better over here. <laughs> right, right, yeah, yeah. That's, that's, not, that's not the way to make sure that you're going to be safe. And so to a certain degree, um, the subject the subjective uh, um, aspect of the, of the subject matter, it, it, you can't really get around it. It is what it is. Whereas on the soft right. sciences, it's a lot of... It's a lot more up to interpretation. What do you want history to be? What do you want to remember most from history? What do you want to say about it? So it's kind of like the the link between the differences between um, what does this mean? What is this thing versus well, what do I want it to be? Mm-hmm. So, um, but are you are you are you as surprised as I was to hear? I mean, ninety four percent. I mean, I wasn't a it wasn't a perfect poll. I I can't imagine right. it's that high. And my teaching I mean, background was very vol. I mean, I, I was in theater and teaching, and I think that was very valuable to me. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But it is interesting how many engineers that we have out there. Every I travel all around the country, just like I came to your place, and can't tell you how many students I. I, I bet half of our LCMS students are engineering. Yeah, yeah, I would say that uh, in, in a way it doesn't surprise me uh, because a lot, even our Lutheran heritage is is pretty. I, I mean, obviously, we we leave room for mystery in a lot of things, but you know, the Book of Concord is pretty analytical too. So if you have that kind of analytical mind, you're going to glom on right to the things that make us Lutheran, you know. But yeah, I mean, ha- and having objective truth is pretty important too, I'd say. Well, and I, as I always tell people that uh, on the college campus today, you you're you're in a world where much of what's being presented is very gray. Uh, mm-hmm. It's more grayer than it used to be. Uh, maybe not as much in the more subjective hard sciences, um, but life together in the academic square is a very gray experience, and it's very confusing for people. And then here we come along: it's campus pastors, campus workers, just as students, um, armed with the 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 sword of God's word and the gospel. Um, do you think, in a way? we actually have advantages in terms of uh, witnessing to others and holding our own in that atmosphere because of the background to, uh, to how we approach the task of, um, of interpreting the Bible and such. Yeah, I think it definitely gives us uh, a good ground to stand on. You know, our faith has evidence, you know, obviously we know the Holy spirit is the one who he does everything uh, in our faith. Um, but at the same time, our faith is not, you know, castles built in the sky. You know, we have evidence. We have these different tools that we can uh, show people and teach people with uh, that, that can help remove some of those those barriers. Well, does, that, it, does that answer your question? Or maybe, maybe no, no, ab- no, absolutely. It's, it's just that sometimes we think that we're at such a disadvantage. I mean, we tend to be much more cerebral compared to, like, say, you know, um, like, well, for example, for example, I mentioned your folks while I was there. It's a lot. It's actually a lot easier and more pleasurable to talk to the atheists and then the agnostics on campus. Usually, because they're still they're still thinking people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They actually are still thinking, and we're not afraid of thinking. Versus right, some other right. church bodies where it's all about the 
the emotional subjective experience and how it makes you feel. We don't have as much to say to that because we believe that uh, the emotions and feelings come and go, but the word of God uh, stands and remains forever. And that's our foundation. And it seems to me we have a lot more in common with those who are searching for truth rather than reacting to how certain things make them feel. Right. Right. Indeed. Now, do you see any advantages um, to being, you know, in terms of your role, um, in terms of getting on campus? And one of the things I said to your folks and you is, I say this to everybody, got to get out, got to get outside the walls of the church and get on campus. Do you, as you, and I know you got other things that you're going to be doing other than trying to reach out to college students, but as you can, do you see uh, your computer engineering type background as actually helpful to you? Yeah, I do. I certainly just on a week to week basis, you know, when, when you're an engineer, they train you, you know, to take a problem and try to take it apart piece by piece, you know, and get steps to accomplish a goal. And I think just th- that helps, you know, with nuts and bolts of if, if I wanted to even just getting that student organization started, like I, I could break down all the steps and then get to where I needed to be to, to send in the paperwork. And also you, you can you have this kind of analytical mind to uh to do apologetics you know if someone has has a a objection you can kind of use the same problem solving mindset try to nail down what exactly is their is their hang up and not only that you know studying uh, a hard science you can relate to other people who are students in that field you know if i know a thing or two about electronics and if someone's studying you know computer science i could have a conversation and be able to relate to them in that regard. So there's a lot of advantages. You have a lot of advantages over me because I'd fail all that stuff. (laughs) (laughs) I just am not, I am not wired that way at all. Right. I'm one of the six percenters. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Everyone has different gifts. One of the things that we do have in common is, um, you know, I was asking uh, one of our admissions uh, directors at one of our seminaries just a couple of days ago, you know, a percentage of young people, um, young men especially, decide to go off to seminary who go from one of our Concordia universities, one of our church schools, versus like you or I from a non-church school, in your case, a uh, a public institution, in my case, a, a, a non-Lutheran, literally non-Lutheran Lutheran school, mm-hmm. uh, but not LCMS for sure. Um, and it's getting close to 50% in terms oh, really? of, uh, yeah, it's... Uh, and, uh, you know, I think about uh, a little bit of a history lesson for everyone. Many of our earliest campus ministries started after, especially up in the Big Ten schools. And like I said, I think Madison, Wisconsin, mm-hmm. not their present facility, but was one of the earliest ones, was because after, in 1862, the Morrill Land Grant, and all of a sudden they started, a lot of farm, farm kids started going off to school. And going to ag school and going to places like uh, Northwestern and and Champaign and Iowa City and and Madison and the University of Minnesota and it's really fascinating to read the history and I, I'm more of the history guy to see that people are like well if these kids are gonna go, if they're not gonna be far if they're gonna be farmers and they're gonna go off to school or they're not gonna go off to one of our Concordias how are we gonna convince them that they maybe should consider being pastors? if they're going off to school somewhere else and we're letting someone else teach them outside of our church schools. And so they decided we need to have, we need to have, they didn't know what to call it a campus ministry. 
And so they decided that they needed to start these things. But one of the goals was to convince these guys, these farm kids going off to school in Madison, Wisconsin, that they still might think about becoming a pastor. And it seems to me we've kind of forgotten that a little bit. Um, you have uh, given, you know, given the evidence of, hey, you know, you weren't even hardly thinking about all of a sudden somebody you're on a mission trip and says, you know what, you ought to think about becoming a pastor. Mm-hmm. Um, I would imagine that's going to stick in the back in your mind as you have a chance to to work with a lot of these young people over the years. Yeah, yeah, certainly keeping an eye out for those who who have the aptitude. And the thing is, you know, I think a lot of people have the skill set. They just need someone to to say something to them. You know, I was complete. It wasn't as though I changed my way of life after that suggestion. Sure. Oh, absolutely. It, it was, you know, it was what the pastors saw in me already at my time. You know, at my high school and and whatnot. Well, I am certainly glad you're there, and it was a real pleasure for me to be there early on while you've just been there a few months. And uh, what's the website for your church if somebody's uh, sending their kid off to University of Wisconsin Lacrosse? It's faithonmain.com. Okay. Thank you for taking the time here, Jacob. And I know that uh, you've got a big German dinner to go to. <laughs> That's right. That's right. But uh, it seriously was great to be with you, and thank you for joining us here in the Student Union. Oh, thank you for inviting me. Who are you who are so wise in the ways of science? That's all we have time for here today in the Student Union. Witness, January 2nd through 5th in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Check it out at lcmsu.org. And remember, college is tough. You need Jesus, we'll help.